and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Hannah and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. And Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, just anytime you, I I know we have this conversation a lot, but anytime you ask this question, I'm like, the same as last time, I guess. Yeah. Like, it was a pandemic. I mean, yeah, um, yeah we, we, we talk too often for any major changes. <laughs> we, we can talk about the box office game. We haven't done that in a second. How's the um, box office game going? It is neck and neck. I know. I <laughs> like, know. Like, like Wayne and Katya are like right up against each other. And then you and I. How did that happen? Have a separation of a little bit like, like, um, Halloween kills made more money than anyone thought. Um, yeah. uh, but, but Wayne, you only have um, last night in Soho to go. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah, plan on big, yeah, big things for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure that, you, prob- that, you probably can't win and it's going to um, be, yeah. I, I, I think Hannah's going to win. win. I, I think you are so. really. Cause it's, so. it's, it's, I, it's hard. I, I, oh. I don't know. I just don't know. I, something's what? going to go wrong. I want it too much. Like we all know I want it. <laughs> I will um, say, I mean, this is going to be fun to recap because we were we were tentative about doing the game this year because everything was still closed and and you know we stole it for listeners who don't know we stole the game um, the box office game that we play every year from actually for listeners who don't know what we're talking about we play this game of box office movies that you know go back and listen to the draft shows because they're they're really fun but we weren't sure we were going to do it this year because everything was closed for the pandemic and we stole the game from another podcast our friends over at the protagonist and they opted to not do it because they're like you know are there even going to be movies well we did it anyway and i've got to say this has been the most exciting it's been because the first year we played i won but i felt pretty confident i was going to for a long time because wayne was ahead for a lot for a long time with like the avengers movie but i knew i'd worked it out and i knew okay i've got a star war happening and i've got a spot and like i knew exactly when i was going to cross over and come out ahead um <laughs> and last year like once we all fell behind and katya you know katya had them had um whatever she had but she, she had all the, the january pa- and february movies which, right, which were horrible do. yeah but then like but then the pandemic happened and it's just like there's not enough movies left no one's ever going to catch up so like that wasn't you know that was kind of a gimme but this year we're neck and neck like everything and hannah you have the most movies left i've got probably the biggest remaining movie because i've but but i don't think i have enough no because you well i mean it depends on what you mean by biggest remain because i have eternals and you have spider-man yeah, and but and you got more time. I have more time, and I, I, I mean, obviously, Spider Man's a built-in property, but also Spider Man has right. more competition, right? Um, which right. is and not saying that like Sing Two, although Matthew McConaughey is a koala bear, and I know that koalas aren't bears, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> say it anyway. Um, and uh, you know, West, I mean, like West Side Story, um, uh, Kingsman, like I mean, like Matrix Four, like not all of these are like in the same crossover as Spider Man, but they're all coming out like it, like there's. Yeah. So- so many movies in December. Like there are too many movies in December, which is why I don't think I'm going to win because like 
I think the box office is going to kind of cannibalize itself if all these actually end up coming out. Um, but, you know, like people have been like going back to the movies slowly. So what do I know? I'm not an analyst. I haven't won the box office game yet, obviously. Um, I, so so whatever. Um, but um, I, I do find it funny that when we played the game, I was like, I don't care. Just give me the Green Knight. I just like this movie. Um, which actually has been more profitable than a lot of other movies because of how the way it's gone, like the way it's gone. Um, weirdly mm. enough, so so I guess we'll check. I guess we'll check in again in like December when things heat up again. It's not what we're talking about today. No, no. very much the opposite. Somehow, okay. So this is a weird show. I like to think of this as a show that booked itself because um, <laughs> there was this point um, a week and a half ago. I was tired but not sleepy. You ever have that happen where it's like I should go to bed. It's three in the morning, but I can't sleep, and so I was just like and some podcast i listen to someone makes a joke during it says we should just make a we should make a playlist for this up ep- for this episode because they were talking about stuff and you know we won't put it on we won't put the music here because we don't want it to be demonetized but we should make a playlist of songs you should listen to while you're listening to us and that made me start thinking about um about mixtapes so i made this joke that i just typed at twitter and at facebook and i, I said random 3 a.m thoughts growing up in the 80s was infinitely cooler than the 2020s because technology has taken away the mixtape Spotify playlists aren't the same. They're too easy, too impersonal. I just assume no one gets laid in high school anymore. And I laughed at myself and then I went, fuck, it's 3.30 in the morning and I have to go to bed or I'm <laughs> or I'm not going to be able to teach. So I just went to sleep. And then I woke up with you know several comments to this, which is why I said, you know, I don't think it, was, it wasn't my best joke, but I woke up to several comments with people saying, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I love the mixtape too. You know, Wayne was there. I'm old. Bring me back. Bring back mixtapes. You know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> and then um, uh, Jesse said, friend of the show she's been she's been on before she left a comment that said i have a friend who is writing a whole book about mixtapes you should have her on the show and i said okay fine and then her friend wrote back said i would do that and then so like now it's like literally 9 30 i've been awake half an hour and i'm booking a show um about mixtapes with a person that i've never met who wrote this book so um i want to welcome jenny burns to our show <laughs> hey jenny <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> hey jenny Thanks so much for doing so, this. Yeah. yeah. So you wrote a book about mixtapes, but having, you know, I'm being in the middle of your book now. I think I stand by what I said. I, I, think, <laughs> I think the mixtapes are, I think the mixtape is magical. I think, I think the mad little joke uh, is supporting evidence for your argument in a way. Yes. yes. So the project started as a joke too. Honestly, when I was trying to put this together, I wanted to do something not so serious. And I had mixtapes sit next to my, next to my desk and I wrote a conference paper so I could find a reason to go to Albuquerque and get out of town. And when I got to, when I got to Albuquerque, I actually had an editor that said, have you ever thought about turning this into a book? And I thought, no, it had never occurred to me. Yeah. That there. So yeah, so, it started so, out that way. So, so the main lesson here is all the best academic research starts as a dumb joke. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like this show? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So just for the listener, I mean, we're, I mean, obviously the book's about mixtapes, but your book is called Mixtape Nostalgia. And what is the basic premise? So it's a combination, both of just like a history of the cassette and a history of what the mixtape is and where it came from. But what really got me going was reading young adult fiction and like wandering down the streets and seeing, um, yoga pants with mixtapes on them and stickers with mixtapes on them. And trying to understand why people care so much about mixtapes when the vast majority of people are not listening to cassette tapes. And so that's really what it came from and really what a lot of the book's about. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I, like, I, Mav sent me the book and, like, not opening it. I was like, huh, this sounds like something that, like, went on in Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I read um, your <laughs> intro and I was like, and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's, I think there's something to be said for, I mean, all that iconography you just talked about. I've had people, you know, working at the, the comic store where I did hand me credit cards and the design on the credit card is it looks like a cassette tape, which, yeah. you know, I, I'm of the generation like, oh, that's cool. Where do I get one of those? And I think there's a certain <laughs> I, yeah, I think there's a certain element of the cassette as a fetish object. Digitization right. has taken away fetish yeah. objects, which, which oh, might absolutely. be a whole, which might be which might be a whole other show. But I think that's certainly a part of it. Well, because I think I think there's two totally different populations that are fascinated by the mixtape. One are the people our age who had them, and the people who will come up to me and say, "Oh, I still have a box of mixtapes in the closet. I have a box of mixtapes sitting next to me at my desk, whatever." But then mm-hmm. there's this young gen that has never played a cassette, that has never played music in any analog sort of way, and for them, it is that fetishization that there's something about the tangible that like completely gets them interested. Um, mm-hmm. So if you know Rob Sheffield, he wrote this book, Love is a Mixtape, yeah. and, and it yep. shows up. And all of a sudden, Love is a Mixtape is getting a ton of attention because Harry Styles tweeted about it. And so uh. now this very young generation is like, oh, I got to go find this book. It has nothing to do with me, but Harry Styles is interested in it. So I should yeah. check it out. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm glad you, because that, that was certainly going to mention that book. I assumed you you probably would. I can't imagine you wouldn't have been aware of it. And I like like the others, I'm with you book but not the way um rob sheffield is one of my favorite music writers uh pop culture music writers just i, I love his approach it's very personal it's very real uh, and that one in particular is just i mean it's about mixtapes but it's about you know him having a relationship and someone dying so it's it's heartbreaking but it's it's wonderful the way he's able to to kind of chronicle that relationship through mixtapes and the songs they listened to and shared that's one of the big things is that if you once you start looking at it um rob sheffield's book i think is hugely important that and high fidelity i think are probably yeah. two most key things that tons and tons of people are modeling off of but there's mm-hmm. a ton of research that actually looks at um why men can't express themselves emotionally through words and how music is a really good way to start expressing their emotions and so a whole bunch of mixtapes is this idea of being able to share everything that you're feeling without ever having to use any words. And so I think his book is really good at that because it is it's this entire emotional trajectory of his, how this is his experiences and he uses music to do it. And so yeah. I think that's a that's a key part of it. Well, and, and both both those things, that book and that movie are things that I related to very strongly. I'm I'm a little older than everybody else here. I'm, I'm right on that cusp of boomer Gen X. But certainly in terms of lifestyle, I've been Gen X my entire life lifestyle and, and this way of looking at the world and whatever. So I, I grew up with the technology in I forget if I put this in the blog, the call for comments or not, but I remember sitting, I had an older friend who had an eight track player in his car. I remember sitting in his car with my mono tape deck and a microphone (laughs) placed between two speakers in the back of his car while we played the eight track. So I could take that eight eight track home and listen to it, you know, on my Mm -hmm. mono cassette player Um, with um, high fidelity and that working in a, a record store. I worked in a comic shop for years and it's the same type of clientele. We actually had a record store right above us. so the, the overlap was tremendous, but there were so many pieces that I related to on the personal level of just as a retailer in a hobby store, but also as a, a fan of, of music and that sort of thing. It just, it really connected me with, with in lots of ways. And I think I, you know, I'm absolutely the generation that stuff was meant to speak to. And I'm, I'm someone who's really pretty good with words. I, you know, I'm, I'm able to tell people I love them and whatever, but I certainly did be, <laughs> you know, I love you, Mav. I, like, Thank um, you, Wayne. <laughs> but I, but I also, you know, I certainly, you know, I made an awful lot of mixtapes for an awful lot of people over the years. Um, yeah, I was going to say someone 
who is a little bit older than I am, because I'm right, like, dead center of Gen X and a little bit older, it also comes from, like, that punk rap, anti-establishment, anti-commercial, deadhead, Mm -hmm. we want to share our music without having to go through the record labels. And so for that population, I think that's huge, too. And so that, like, eight-track to cassette conversation and the ability to to record on your own terms and not have to have vinyl, that's another Mm -hmm. really big part of it, absolutely. Yeah, and and certainly doing that. I remember in the the late 80s, you know, on record album you the, the the labels the record labels were putting a warning home taping is killing the record industry you, <laughs> just tell, you, you buy this don't record it and share it you know like they they were making an effort to stop it in in, in this way that's always going to happen right like we, we did it again when the mp3 came out and mm-hmm. we did it again yeah. when screaming came out and like probably in fact no i'm not probably i know for a fact that we did it not we but someone did it when vinyl came out because yeah. oh my god if people can buy records they're not going to go to concerts anymore what am i going to do with all these wax cylinders even before that right like people like people were worried about the idea of recorded music because then what why would anybody go to a to a live performance and and to an extent there is something to that right like we're Mm -hmm. doing this right right now particularly during the pandemic we we just you know we opened the show talking about the box office game but relevancy here folks you know you you can't just fast forward through the beginning of the show um because (laughs) because part of the box office conversation right now is that you know what happens with movies when everybody can stream things to home right like Mm -hmm. you know you know are we dune is coming out as we as we we record and dune's available in your home so will it kill the theater industry so i think there is something to that but also i think but also i think media by nature evolves that's part of it and also the nostalgia aspect jenny your book's called mixtape nostalgia because the mixtape didn't go away it changed yeah yeah i mean like so i should say i i guess i'm probably the youngest person on this show um because i i am i was born in 91 and therefore i was um right right after home taping killed the the music industry (laughs) yes uh well you know weirdly um cassette tapes um stayed a part of my life uh i mean they still are because like they're still around I, i remember like watching to go back to um, my basic little example, watching Guardians of the Galaxy and being like, how cool would it be to get like the mixtape volume one like on cassette and like they did it like um yeah. I, I think i was like urban outfitters for some bizarre reason yeah. recently <laughs> and i was like there are cassette tapes here um but anyway like i i my parents got a van in like 96 and it was a cassette player and in my family we use things until they die um so the van eventually went to my sister who is younger than me so she like this van was like 23 years old or something when it eventually died and we used a adapter to plug you know like our i yeah, yeah, I got into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I had a lot of those adapters. In a yeah, we, yeah, and we, yeah, we had like you know we had our cassette tapes. Um, and, but I, you know, I remember like simultaneously having a big cassette tape collection and like CDs. And I actually must say, um, I am I am the person who made mixtapes with like CDs. So I have not truly mm-hmm. gone through like the arduous process of like making them on a cassette. So. I'm the poser here, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and, I'm, and I'm old enough to have done every step of that. You know? yeah. Yeah. But part of the conversation that I've had with people is, is it a mixtape if it's on CD? Is it a mixtape right. if it's on your iPod? Because we still use the word mixtape, even if you're using yeah. it on other, on other mediums. And yeah. one of the conversations, like with the whole analog thing, for a lot of people, it's too pure, it's too easy. 
it's drag and drop and, and the appeal of the mixtape and even the mix CD to a certain extent, you had to pay attention to how long the tape was and you couldn't right. cut off a song in the middle and you didn't want to have two minutes of dead air. And, and mm-hmm. so it was that the time that went into it. And so yeah. for a lot of people, I think a mix CD is, is the same thing as a mixtape. I was going to say much like the term album, you know, like right. album, you know, I, I still call things albums yeah. no matter what <laughs> format they're on. Yeah. So, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. When I wrote the blog, my part, because the blog was written by me and Wayne this time. So when I wrote my portion of the blog, I sort of leaned heavily into the, you know, kids today, they don't know the work of doing this and this and, you know, making, having to decide. Honestly, I've done it both ways. And frankly, the, I mean, that was me being silly. It's so much better to just do a playlist. It really is. Cause I'm a, I'm a lazy person. And, and, I, I, I'm certainly much lazier than I was in my twenties. Yes. Yeah, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the artistry that went into, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 high school girlfriends, like got mixtapes from me and that took a lot of time and a lot of effort but like but like I'm also the person who like I have friends who are like oh don't you love dri- driving stick more than automatic no no <laughs> that, that takes twice as yeah. much effort I do not want to do that why I, th- I think this ties I think some of this ties into that fetish of the object I was talking about though because there's right. there's the 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 object is a fetish object. The process of doing it was very ritualistic. Yes. You know, when I sat down to do it, it was making the choices. It was, it was figuring out the the time. You know, I, what, what you just said, is there dead air? Is this going to cut out in the middle of the song? How do I fit this on one side of the tape? Um, you know, it, what, what order, what narrative I'm, am I trying to tell in the songs I choose? What am I trying to say about myself in this moment, as well as about the person I'm giving this to? Um, can, I, can I say my favorite part of Jenny's book? <laughs> because, yeah. because this is, this this like really cemented it for me preparing for the show and I was reading the book and then um, there's this point of the book where you, you talk about you know in making a mixtape what you do is you know you everybody who makes a mixtape knows that once you're when you're doing the reel to reel recording you hit pause and then you hit stop you don't just hit stop because <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sitting here and I and I read that and I, I literally said out loud well obviously and then I realized, <laughs> and then I realized, wait a minute, Hannah's going to do this show with us. And Hannah probably doesn't know that. So I actually want to ask, yeah. did you know that? Hannah? <laughs> I've learned okay. the, the, like the first two chapters alone. Um, I mean, I learned something from like the whole book. Um, but like, also, I, I must like say for listeners, if you're not an academic and you're like intimidated by like reading, you know, uh, like an academic work, you sh- shouldn't be because it's just so readable. Um, yes, it is. There, yes, there, there are a lot of academic books that are so smart, but I have trouble reading them. Um, and I'm like, oh, goodness. Um, I'm going to need to this, this, this entire show has been a reaction to that type of academia. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, I, I know. But I, you know, I... And <laughs> That work is valuable in its own way, but like, you know, it, yeah. it can be hard to get into, but this, you can just pick it up. And I, um, one of my favorite things is like in the introduction, uh, Jenny, you, you start with like, I, and, yeah. and you like ground it in the personal. Um, and I was really like interested in how like you, you, you know, use the personal to like compliment like your, you know, the academic rigor of like the history of, um, the cassette and the mixtape. Um, I think so the part of it for me is yeah. that it did start as such a personal story. It really was that I have mixtapes sitting next to me. And, and to be perfectly honest, part of it went back to a high school reunion and okay. talking about the music that we were listening to and putting together a playlist for our reunion. So it really was a really personal conversation. And then like I have in the introduction, once I started talking about it, like my family still will reach out and be like, oh, there's this episode of um, Yellowstone where two characters are laying in bed talking about the mixtapes in high school. And that was my mom telling me about this. My mom never made mixtapes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so very definitely there was no way to have this conversation without it being personal because it yes. is i'm not like a cassette culture tape head type person necessarily but right. i do live in that world where music is really important and those mixtapes really did define my high school years for sure and my college yes. years absolutely yes yeah so one of the things that um and we talked about is you know the fetish object which we should like sort of i don't want to go into the whole theory of what fetishization means on the show right. um the joy i think of the mixtape versus the playlist and this is what i was getting at with my with my part of the blog is um you know why why a mixtape can get you laid is there's there's value in the object i can give or maybe i'm wrong because maybe i'm just an old fogey and i'm wrong about this but to me it feels like i can give a mixtape as a gift i can literally wrap something up i can go through the effort i can make a thing i can wrap it up i can give it to a girl I like and you know hopefully you know she kisses me that's like the, that's like the high school dream right like of, right. for people of a certain of a certain age my age <laughs> um, but like I, I don't feel as though I feel as though the fetishization the objectification for our listeners of being able to wrap up and hand somebody this physical thing is special in a way that um hey i made you a spotify a spotify playlist i emailed you the link you know go click on it like i don't that feels less special just because there's no physical object and i don't think it's me being old because i think it's me 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 too yeah Um, yeah and i think the fact that there's like the fact that we have t-shirts and yoga pants with pictures of them on of mixtapes on it is sort of evidence to the power there well there's also like i i mean i'm a a little paranoid um about technology um <laughs> i don't know um but like you know i i still like to buy blu-rays and dvds and not just like store everything on yeah, like, like my computer or the cloud or and like i do i do this with music too um like sometimes i'll buy a vinyl album a cd and like uh, streaming if i really like the album to make sure i can hold on to that thing because like i i don't trust companies um <laughs> I guess it's really less technology and more companies. I don't trust companies. Like, it's mm-hmm. like Disney's not going to come into my house and take away my DVD of Zootopia. But who who is to, not to say that they would take not take away like a digital copy of Zootopia? Um, like companies have done this before. I still buy all of my music on CD. I have a hard copy of all of my music, and yeah. it's I hit I've hit a world where some people aren't releasing on CD. I actually like tracked down an artist and asked him, and he laughed at me. And it weird, turns out he had cassette tapes, so I have a cassette tape of his of his album because it was either vinyl or cassette or digital there were no cds Uh, but i think to your point mav one of the other books um thurston moore art of cassette culture there's a huge focus on the cover art and the attention Mm -hmm. you put on the cover art and it Mm -hmm. comes back to like zines and stickers and fonts and do you use a sharpie or do you use different color pens and so for a lot of people they can't play their mixtapes but they can physically look at their mixtapes and so it is part of that like giving a gift it's more than just the music that you're hearing for a lot of people um because so many people that talk to me about their mixtapes they have no way to play the cassette and they'll say oh i bet i could go back and make a mix, uh, playlist of that but that's not really what makes it special it's that physical tangible thing um that's really kind of what keeps them going mm-hmm. and wayne didn't you like it was an episode i wasn't on um but you had a episode idea that you like talked about like physical objects like provoking memories right yeah like, yeah the the idea of of we well and that's part of what 
a fetish object is, is the idea of we, we project certain emotions and memories and whatever into a physical object. You know, a memento, we, we bring a, you know, I talked about this on that episode, we go to Niagara Falls and we bring home the snow globe mm-hmm. with Niagara Falls in it <laughs> as, as a memory because, you know, seeing billions of tons of water crashing over a cliff, it, you know, that won't stick in my memory, but the snow globe will bring it all back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, the mixtapes are certainly that. I, you know, I have that with CDs. I have that with record albums. I don't have a lot of my old mixtapes left. Uh, I, I have some stored in a box someplace. I don't have a, a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so here, here's my my fun little anecdote about tapes in my car. Uh, one of two instances of crime I've had since living in in the city. I this is back in the nineties. Uh, I I think just accidentally left my car unlocked one night I went out and someone had, had gotten into my car and I could tell because the dollar 37 cents I had the little change slot was gone <laughs> and, and and the shoe box of cassette tapes I had were scattered all over the floor and upon looking at it nothing was mixing was missing not a single thing was was stolen now some was because they were mixtapes some of them were actual cassettes but I could picture this junkie looking through my stuff going what the fuck is this <laughs> just because because of what my musical tastes are so uh <laughs> yeah I, and i i actually i did have um i had my car broken into um at one point while uh, steph and i were when we were still dating we were um at the movies and someone broke in my car and stole um my cd stereo that yanked out of my dashboard and um and a bunch of cds many of which were mixed mixed cds you know um more so and and that is um in that case it does feel weirdly personal like because i mean at least with the cds i you know i can i can recreate them but it's just it it feels like you've lost something yeah like where i I put a lot of work into that like and i can't explain it to somebody like like it's probably better if it were in the cloud i could just like you know you can't really take you can't take the ephemeral experience of music from me in the cloud sense mm-hmm. but like but like having an object that can be stolen hurts you know mm-hmm. it feels as much like a violation i mean also like i kind of didn't like that somebody you know bored the locks out of my car and i had to go get them fixed you know but, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um but like wow. it, it feels like a violation you know i was gonna say when i was in probably middle school i was handed a mixtape that had not been made by me or for me someone had found it and said you like music and handed it to me and <laughs> um, put it in my cassette player and someone had spent an um, enormous amount of time it had different clips from movies that they had put together to sort of make a conversation. It also, for me, it was definitely geared to someone who was not 14 years old because it had rated R lyrics. I do not. And like, like, I remember just sitting there looking at it like, what am I listening to? <laughs> but also I had missed all of the context because there was so much backstory into what this mixtape was. And the person who didn't get it was missing this entire amount of time wow. that someone had put into oh the story. God. Yeah. I hope they dubbed their own, own copy before they lost that one because <laughs> yeah it, it's just it's a it's a weird thing to where you know we've been talking about the technology of it and the physical object but i also think and this is where it does transfer over into cds and 
Spotify playlist. The storytelling aspect, you know, taking the time. Yes, it's a lot of physical time if I'm doing reel to reel like tapes where I have to like, like I've spent at least as much time recording as the length of the tape plus however much time I spent planning it out. But just the idea of recording and making a mix, making a playlist that represents something. This is, you know, I'm handing you this because this is a statement of how I feel about you. Or maybe it's just for myself, right? Like I have, I have several playlists on my iPhone, which are things that I like to listen to when I go for a run, right? I'm going to go run. I'm going to go run for six, for six miles. It's going to take me an hour. So I need to, you know, have music that I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> like that's, and, that's, and, 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 make, and make you want to run and not sit down someplace and cry. Yes. Right? Yeah. Very much so. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's very much, a, there's very much a, um, there's different kinds of music that I listen to when I am, uh, working out in a gym. If I'm, li- if I'm lifting weights, than it is if I'm running, if I'm running, if I'm going on a six mile run, I need music that sets a cadence for me. That is part mm-hmm. of what I'm doing. So, so there is an intentionality that I go through when I craft the craft the playlist that I'm that I'm that I'm looking that I'm looking for. I made the joke in the in the in the um. It's only sort of kind of a joke, but in the blog, I sort of said there's different kind of music that I might want that I might you know create for a playlist full of making love versus a playlist full of fucking right. Like this is right. there's, right. a, there's a different yeah. purpose, and I and like I was being silly intentionally because that's how I write all the blogs but I think that if you've read what I wrote at www.foxpopcast.com make sure you subscribe um, but if you read that I think that I think that anybody who, who read that while you might pick different songs than I do you probably have a good idea of what I'm talking about right oh yeah yeah and high fidelity going back to that he has his yeah. five list for making the perfect playlist and or mixtape yeah. and and that's something that I think people have used over and over and over again and part of that conversation is like can you have a punk song next to a country song can you have the same artist twice in a row um can you you know all of these different rules and there's definitely like there's the i i like you do you like me back mixtape and then there's the breakup (laughs) mixtape those seem to be sort of like the two quintessential mixtapes and then i think the third that comes up is the road trip mixtape and so sort of these three sort of categories of like i am going on a road trip with you from florida to california and that's going to be hours and hours of our time so what are what can we stand to listen to over and over again so yeah i think there's definitely these thematic styles of playlists and then also your own like internal rules when you're making them of what you can include or what you can't. I, you know, some of it I, for me has changed just the, the ubiquity of music now through Spotify and, and all these different things. So much of the mixtape was preserving this, this song, wanting to share it with somebody. Like if I didn't own mm-hmm. the album, if I made it from someone else, uh, in the mm-hmm. blog, I talked about my, my roommate in grad school who just had all this music and it was impossible to, to copy all of it, but there were certain songs I wanted. So a lot of the mixtapes I made before leaving that apartment setting were simply, I want to get these 37 songs, but I don't necessarily need the full album. So it was just that kind of stuff. I still put thought into which ones went with which Mm -hmm. with, and so it, there was that n- nature for myself of preserving this in case I never see this album again or hear this album again. Now with Spotify, I can listen to anything at any time. So right. some, some of that motivation has disappeared. The thing I, I like about Spotify, though, that like you can't do with a mixtape is like if we were like having a conversation about mixtapes in the 90s, admittedly, we wouldn't be doing it like this. You're right. um, we couldn't we couldn't like make it like we couldn't like make a playlist for like this episode 
episode or, or conversation and like share it. But um, I actually noticed that like a couple of like academics, um, one, one example is um, a book called Phonographic Memories, Popular Music in the Contemporary Caribbean Novel. Like there is a Spotify playlist, which I'll put in the show notes mm-hmm. that literally goes with that book. Like it can be shared and you can, you know, do something. So there, there are different affordances to the medium, which I only like say, because like, I, I feel like I've really leaned heavily into the, I miss the old stuff, even though I'm like 30 and in, in an in-between yeah, age. Right. <laughs> um, and and, and well, full, full disclosure, I, I love the Spotify streaming format. It, it so suits the way I've always wanted to listen to music. That ability right. to just dip my toe in and try new things or, hey, here's a new album by someone I haven't necessarily heard before. Let me listen to it. I've discovered so much new stuff that way. I don't make a lot of playlists. I'm I'm very album oriented. I, I can listen to albums in their entirety. Um, and that was always true, even back when I was making mixtapes. Um, mm-hmm. But I but I, I some I don't I don't make a lot of playlists on Spotify for that reason. My my roommate Marcel, I forget if I mentioned this the blog or not. Marcel's been a regular on the show here as well. Marcel has like eighty thousand playlists on Spotify. He's just right. first of all just much more organizational than I am. But he has a playlist on songs with a color in the title or you know songs with place names <laughs> in the title or you know what one of my favorites is songs white people listen to. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and, and with things like Pusker Do and Echo and the Bunny Men on it. So it's a lot of use out of that. When I was putting the book together, something that didn't actually make it into the book was a conversation about the difference between a playlist and a soundtrack. And I really okay. wanted to talk about Cameron Crowe and John Hughes because both of those directors created incredible soundtracks that are so iconic to their time period. Yeah. And okay. Back to what to what you're saying, Hannah. There's an interactiveness now where people have gone back online and they have created comprehensive playlists from like the movie Almost Famous that they've been able to include all the songs yeah. that Cameron Crowe couldn't afford to put on the soundtrack or the soundtrack would have had to be six hours long. Right. It's allowed fans to like really engage with the movies in a different way. And so as a kid, you were saying, Wayne, you always listen to albums in order. I couldn't afford to buy everything I wanted. So I bought a ton of yeah. tracks because yeah. there's a little bit of everything. And so for yeah. me, rather than the when thinking of the album order, I either think of the mixtape order or I think of the soundtrack order because that's how I listen mm-hmm. to it most often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are so, so many songs that I experience as that I experience in my head. Like the recording in my head is from a soundtrack. There are oh, yeah. many, many, many songs where I'm like, oh, yeah. And this is the part in the movie when, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. So I, I now now need to like um, fix on this because this is really interesting. But like what in, in regards to like the difference between a soundtrack and a playlist? I was going to ask that next. Um, <laughs> oh, well, go, go ahead. Matt. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. You, you can um, continue. Please. But like, you know, like soundtrack and playlist, like what, you know, like um, feel free to like ignore this specific question, um, you know, talk about um, more about that because that's really interesting. But, you know, I think about Guardians of the Galaxy, which is trying to be all things um, with that one in particular, I think, because it, it's like a play playlist within the movie but it's also like the soundtrack um of that movie and honestly i i think i sit through guardians of the galaxy not caring how long it is just because they like sometimes play the songs almost in full if not in full and i'm like yeah let this fight scene go on for three more minutes i want to hear the end of the yeah, song yeah yeah i i, I kind of missed that entire getting ready for the final battle montage because i was really digging cherry bomb yeah exactly. <laughs> 
the awesome thing about that particular soundtrack is that songs that had never charted originally charted because of the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that Blue Suede song, my son who's 16, when he was trying out for choir, he's singing Uga Chaka for a choir. Wow. I have no idea what the song is from the 1970s, but he oh my gosh. exclusively because of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's, oh, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> and, and brought some some money and royalties to some of us who haven't seen any of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, yes. I think that's part of that nostalgia of, of Guardians of the Galaxies. It really brought back that time period for, the, again, for that young generation who now have bought the album on cassette tape. Um, one of my most favorite things from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Doritos did a crossover promotion that you could buy a Doritos bag that had an MP3 player on the front and you got those super cheap original Walkman earbuds that went with wow. instantaneously. I couldn't get a hold of one and they were on eBay for like $250. Oh my gosh. And it actually worked. Like there was somehow a tangible button on there that you could press play and stop and record and get parts of the Guardian soundtrack. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so so similar technology, but being an old guy, I used to buy boxes of cereal that had records imprinted in the cardboard. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I listened to the artsy Riverdale, best show ever, the, the whole jingle oh. jangle thing. I'm sure I had the jingle jangle, the song jingle jangle on a piece okay. of cardboard from the back of a cereal box. So. They had cardboard, <laughs> and they also, and they also, they also had, um, they had vinyl ones that um <laughs> like that you could like ship in the newspaper as yeah. like an as like an ad and insert um i had in fact this is not wow. not music that anybody not music that anybody would ever want to hear but like um uh do you guys remember the mcdonald's menu song big mac with the hotel oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah cheeseburger happy moment like it tastes good for fries regular large salad shot Salad, chef, regard, no chicken salad, or you know, big big breakfast, big big weapon, hot cakes, and sausage. Maybe business bacon, neck of cheese, or sausage, dish, hash browns, two and four, so dessert, half a pie, and sunny zero varieties. A saucer, cone, three kinds of shakes, and chocolate chip cookies, and a drink of Coca Cola, Diet Coke, and orange drink, a Sprite, a coffee decaf, and two, a low fat milk and orange juice. I love McDonald's, good time, great taste, and I get this all at one place, good time, great taste at McDonald's. And it'd be great if they gave me a sponsorship wow. because I know all of that. The reason I know all of that wow. is that when that came out, um, my cousin worked at our local newspaper and they had this contest where they were teaching people to um to sing the song and if they and like everybody would mess it up and if you had one of the few albums where the class learns the song by the end um you know then you won like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that so they it did they inserted these into the into the newspaper and mailed them out and we just got all the ones that the newspaper didn't use like all the because because my cousin worked there so you know they use you know they had leftover ones from that promotion day so i literally over the course of a weekend listened to that album a thousand times and like that's why it's still in my head i can't and i can't do them out of order i just know i know what the mcdonald's menu was in like 1985 because of that <laughs> Valuable life skill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, but I, I mean, the technology of it, I mean, I think that one of the things that, you know, you, you open up the book, Jenny, with talking about the history of like the recording industry going from vinyl to cassette or vinyl to eight track to cassette and then eventually right. CD and you know, MP3. But cassette was special in that, you know, when I I'm, I'm not, I'm not as old as Wayne. Nobody's as old as Wayne. Yeah. But I'm, old enough, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old enough to remember like when getting that first cassette player and the power inherent in being able to make a playlist. Like, like, like I had a vinyl record player as a child where, you know, 
where, yes, to me, a big part of listening to music is the experience of listening to the album, right? Like um, the joke from 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 um, from Captain America, Winter Soldier, um, you know, where it's like Trouble Man's greatest album ever. Right. Like um, I, I get that. And part of that's because when Trouble Man came out, you had to just listen to all the Trouble Man. It's the only way to experience. Right. But but like getting the power to essentially become the DJ, which you become, which you get when you can make a when you can make it make a mixtape. There's a you can write music to, you know, in the order that you want Mm -hmm. in a way it wasn't possible with vinyl and it wasn't possible with the eight track that was empowering. And now, you know, one of the hard things about MP3s at first, it got better quickly, but originally when the MP3 comes out, you were given that ability up. Same with the CD. Why, why CDs are weird. Why would I want CDs? I can't write to a CD. I mean, eventually I could, but not when they first came out. So having, I, I think there's something empowering about the, uh, the ability to essentially create, I think it's an act of creation to make mm-hmm. a CD or make a mixtape for a girl or just for working out, well, you know, well, whatever it, you want it, to do. It, it's auditory bricolage, you know, we're, we're yes. able to, you know, we're, we're able to compile these things and put them together in an order that that speaks to us. And one of the things that I really struggled with when I was putting the book together was trying to figure out how to make sense of the hip hop mixtape that exists in 2021 and whether or not there's a through line from like the the, the mixtape that drops on SoundCloud tomorrow from some hip hop artist who's trying to get known and right. the kind of mixtapes that we're talking about. And so as I was looking at it, going back to the 70s and the fact that the cassette tape, especially for punk and hip hop, that you can can make music on your own terms. You don't have to afford a recording mm-hmm. studio. You don't have to ask a record label whether or not they think you you're good enough to sing. You can just totally do it on your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that that ability to hit a record button, whether it's to make your punk album or to sit in front of your radio and wait until the song you want gets on and hit record so you can have it for later. You know, I think that's a huge part of the cassette tape that really distinguishes it at the time for sure. Well, and and mm-hmm. so much of that early, I, and I'm more familiar with the punk stuff, but so much of that early punk and hip hop stuff. Yeah. I mean, you, your band, you got your broken down band and you drove from one city to the next and you played shows and you know, you recorded your songs on a cassette in the basement and you sold it to pay for gas at at the show uh, with your hand, with your hand drawn art. I mean, that was so much a part of the economy of of Mm -hmm. touring. One of the people who talks about his mixtapes the most is Henry Rollins and Henry Rollins is so fundamentally a part of that. And he like, there's a a new documentary out, it's called Analog Love. And it's specifically about sort of the, the, love of the mixtape and he's interviewed in there a lot because he specifically still has a wall of all of his cassettes it's the cassettes he made for himself but also the mixtapes and he talks about you know friends who have died that he can still hear their voices and hear their yeah. music because he has all these tapes yeah well, I, and, and you know with the the going back to things like spotify playlist and that sort of thing like, I, you know i said i don't make a lot of playlists spotify does that for me i get that weekly here's 30 songs based on your algorithms that we think you should hear mm-hmm. and 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 i i do i make an effort to listen to that Every, every week uh and i've discovered a lot of new stuff you know a lot because it's based on what i listen to you know a lot of it clicks for me a lot of it's just it's also it's in the background while i'm at work or while i'm doing other things but i have discovered a lot of new bands a lot of new music i like through, through the way it puts that up but i also never save those lists i never mm-hmm. you know copy and paste those into my own playlist like you know, on Sunday night when one disappears and the new one pops up, I never have that playlist again. So it's it's much more ephemeral than the physical object. 
Um, and Siri does on. it for me, right? Yeah. So I use Apple, I use Apple Music a lot, and and frankly, I don't know that I want to say it's losing anything because it's it's sort of changing something, right? Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of. I mean, I talked about making the running playlist, but a lot of times I actually will do uh, a, a playlist where if I if I decide I'm going to go for a jog after after we record, I'll I'll go out and I will just stay into my my magic headphones, you know. Hey Siri, play me a music good for running. And my computer just went off when I said that. So I'm like, stop. <laughs> but um, but I, I'll say, you know, play me, play me music good for running. And like that will start to happen. And it's pretty good because it's learned a lot about me. You know, that's the point of the AI, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I'm I'm sure I could uh, um I'm sure I could ask it, you know, play me something romantic and it would play something that I think is romantic. So Yay that the computer is my friend, but also, <laughs> but, but also I, I do, I do think it's, I, I don't think I'm just being an old fogey. I think it loses something. I think there is something special about, you know, the art of creation. There's a movie called 24 hour party people, um, mm-hmm. which is about the music scene. Um, and I can't remember, like there's a point where they, they make, um, they, they make a point that, um, this was always true. I always had a problem with the line because they're, they're attributing it to something special happening in the punk scene, which they thought was a special new thing that I'm like, no, this had always been the case in the hip hop scene. So it's new for you guys, but they're like, this is something new that's never been done before. They're cheering the DJ, not the musician, but the DJ. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because the Mm -hmm. DJ, DJing is an artistry. And I think that, I think that there is something to that with the mixtape that is sort of there. If you're making your own playlist, though easier but sort of lost in the fact that the computer is deciding it for you or maybe the computer's an artist now i don't i don't know yeah i think part of what made me realize there was enough to write a book about is i was reading these young adult books that were talking about kids making mixtapes for each other and and in these young adult books they're they actually have to explain that you have to put in batteries and that you only have six hours of battery life and if you're going to listen to it you have to think about how much battery life you have before you have to buy new batteries and and so the explanation (laughs) to explain how you're listening on a Walkman is like, okay, so this is clearly not an audience that you can just say you put it in a Walkman and you go. But why is it that in the 2020s, these authors are writing books talking about the mixtape is so quintessential. And it, they're not talking about he made you a digital playlist and sent it to you over Discord or whatever. He specifically mm-hmm. made you this physical thing. And I think that's what really sort of got me going on it was that there is something about it that still holds attention. But not Again, not our generation, of a, of a yeah. much younger generation. And if you get onto YouTube, you can find uh, videos of how to make a mixtape and they actually have step-by-step walking you through and who to go to on eBay to find good dual deck cassette players. And there's actually one that I've seen of how to take an analog playlist and get the right cables to plug it into a tape recorder and make it onto a tape after you've created the digital version. Wow. Wow. In in 1983, I bought a tape deck for my car and figured out how to install it into my speakers without any YouTube videos at all. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like you have a whole uh, chapter in the book on like techno nostalgia. And I didn't realize just how ubiquitous like this, like longing for the mixtape was like, um, you know, it it, it seems like everything from like Broadway musicals to uh, podcasts to like the young adult novels and things like Guardian of the Galaxy we've talked about already. I, I just, I didn't realize like 
how big uh, the cassette or the mixtape was, even though like I, I, I like I've seen Hamilton. Um, I, I, have this, I have a vinyl version of the soundtrack. It, it just has not cli- it didn't click for me until reading this. Um, and I, I recently watched Baby Driver. Um, mm-hmm. and that also didn't yeah. that also didn't click until I read this great interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda, who said he feels like he learned how to make Broadway scores from making mixtapes for girls when he was in high school. That oh. you know, the rise and fall of a playlist. Wow. I, and I wonder if um, Hannah, you're, you're talking about it like you missed something, but I don't know that you missed it so much as you're, you know, we joke about how much younger Hannah is than we are, but you're like 15 years younger than I am. So it's like not, it's not the end of the world. Right. But like those 15 years allowed you to grow up in a time when the ubiquity of the technology made it more normalized for you, because it's not like you don't make playlists. It's like, yeah, um, it's just natural that you can, if you, if, well, you know, actually, I well, I, mean, I I will admit that, like, my relationship with music um, was strange. Um, but you know, I remember having like the Walkman and then like I remember having the CD, like I was given a CD player to go on a field trip. And my father, uh, because I was young and I liked Lizzie McGuire, my father was like, here, here's the new Hillary Duff CD. And I was very excited. And then like my, my parents didn't buy me expensive stuff. Um, so like when I was in high school, then the iPod got big and I asked for one, not thinking I'd get it. And like to this day, like I can vividly like see myself, even though you can't see yourself in your own memories. So I don't know what I'm <laughs> thinking. But, like vividly can see myself like jumping up and down in excitement at the idea of like, I got a video iPod and that's when I really like started to like get into making playlists. And also Mav, I've been thinking this whole time, your joke about like, what did like teenagers in like high school do when they didn't have to make mixtapes like playlists? And I've just been, th- been thinking about Nick and Nora's infinite playlist this entire yes. time. <laughs> Such a good movie. Such a good movie. <laughs> I've never read the, is it, Nick. It's a book too, right? Or is it? Yeah, not a book? I, 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 haven't, I haven't read the book, um, yeah. but I, I know that the book exists. Um, and then of, of course this episode is going to come out and someone's going to be like, there is no book. What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? But I'm sure there is a book. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, like I, I, I in fact, I think that sometimes I there is a book. Um, I you know sometimes collecting memories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I you know I think I actually like maybe listen to playlists more than I listen to albums because I I you know like um you know it's 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 some I think sometimes easier to like listen to songs in random order or just like grab one song you like um than like invest in an artist um if you're a casual music listener. Well, and I, I do want to return a little bit to something Jenny said, which was, um, you know, playlists versus soundtracks, because I'm curious as to what you see as the difference, because I do think I think at a point, the idea of making a, a playlist for for an event, especially right, like you are building a soundtrack that I I think there is there's artistry to it, right? Like if I'm um, if I'm going on a road trip with a specific person and I'm trying to make music that was going to last us the six hours, this 12 hours, this 24 hours, right? Um, I'm putting a lot of thought into that. Here's stuff that not just, you know, not just that we can tolerate together, but like stuff that we might both enjoy. This is, you know, it's it's an act of love that, that goes into um, you know also, the construction of the, the construction uh, there. Yeah. Also, but, like you have to like make things make sense. I will tell a story really quickly about a wedding. Um, mm-hmm. 
Someone played, uh, like, they made a playlist for their way to save money, and Shout was, like, the first song they played. Oh, that's and, way too early. Yeah, and <laughs> the reason why I'm telling this story is because I was hanging out with a group of people who will remain nameless, and they all said, all of them, it was, like, five people, why is this playing right now? This should be the, like, last song or second to last song of the night. That was like the collective response, um, which I think illustrates your point, Mev. Not not only that, um, I I will um, not only I don't know that I should be the last song, but it should be much later. You know, people need to be drunk enough to experience shout. People need to be drunk enough to dance to it and not too tired to dance to it. Right, right. But not not uh, the last song. (laughs) But like I will say, having had a conversation about this with with my wife, um, the the ongoing joke was. and we actually we had no wedding reception because Steph and I eloped. But um, when we were planning things, we were talking about, you know, should you know, um, the joke had been for a long time that Steph had forbidden uh, Clarence Carter stroking from being at my wedding. <laughs> and, and I kept telling her, you can you can forbid it all you want. Every, you know, no, no like you can you can not have it on the playlist. But like anybody in my family, you're married into a black family. We're just going to have a CD in the car. Somebody will bring it in. It will just happen. And I think that, but I, but I think that that's part of it, right? Like the, the experience which is, which of DJing is, a wedding. Which, that's the reason she decided to do a lope. Was that a lot yeah. of <laughs> You have met us. We're also just really lazy. We, 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 we and to, to say we elope, to say, to say we eloped is generous. We found some change in our couch and we're like, let's get married today. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of how we did it um but, but um you know i mean come on you've met me um there is, but the point the point being there's a lot of like the intentionality of building a playlist i think matters in much the same way as scoring a movie or you know if we look back at our episode on scores and soundtracks i think you're making those those sorts of connections and so i'm curious as to um when you when you said there's a difference between the soundtrack and the playlist jenny what did you mean the biggest difference for me is personal versus communal honestly because i do think i do think the play or the soundtrack really is introducing um the thematic organization but also so if we think about john hughes in particular john hughes is hugely influential in bringing british new wave to young american audiences americans didn't know omb um and that's because he was interested in them he got he convinced them to be on on his soundtrack and so i don't think there's a huge difference i was more trying to analyze mixtape soundtrack playlist if these were all the same thing or if there really are differences and part of it is that communality how do you say that doing it for a large group of people as opposed to doing it for one individual person it loses some of that emotional connection Mm -hmm. i think um you know baby driver guardians of the galaxy those directors were very conscientious in the the songs that they put in and it was a really uh, a choice that they are trying to help tell their story through the music that they're including Mm -hmm. so i think it's in many ways it's the same thing Something that we haven't really talked about, but that actually ties into that, this idea of like introducing music to people. So I think, like I said, John Hughes does that with British New Wave. Um, but also there's a whole conversation about musicians getting mixtapes and learning about music from other musicians. And so whether like Amethyst Kia actually talks about using um, LimeWire and trying to find music when she's first trying to create her own music for herself. But one of my favorite stories is Damien Gerardo, who, when he's in high school, is buying mixtapes from this like super strange, stringy haired kid that he doesn't know, doesn't go to school with him, but he makes just these amazing mixtapes 
tapes and it really introduces them to this whole new style of music in Seattle. And like two years later, he goes to this concert for this new and upcoming band that he's never heard of. And he looks at the main singer on stage and goes, that's the dude who made me mixtapes. And it was Kurt Cobain. And so okay. that was his introduce, introduction to Nirvana. Um, and so this way of introducing people to stuff that they wouldn't hear otherwise. And, and so like back to what you were saying, Wayne, about the playlist, it, it gives you new music every week, but you don't necessarily keep it a week later. Yeah. You just see what's, what's new the next week. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, it's, it's that. It's that I now have a connection to someone else because they personally introduced mm-hmm. me to this stuff. Well, and and that, that is the difference. This is, you know, it's an AI that's putting it together for me rather than a person. So I don't, I don't feel that personal connection with it the way I did with you know, the mix. Well, before I, that roommate I mentioned had this giant record collection. That's when I was, I was in grad school for two years. I was friends with people at that school for a couple of years prior to that. So I had established connections. And my, my best friend who was in school there was just coming back on weekends and for holidays and bringing me mixtapes of stuff he was being exposed to. And I'm in this little rural place with bad radio reception and not a lot of access to everything that was going on in the world. And he's bringing me back these mixtapes of, it was, it was the British New Wave stuff the the early days of alternative and college rock, a lot of the punk stuff, stuff I would have had no access to in 1985, living where I did. And it just so exploded my world. But there's a personal connection. He was making mixtape stuff that he thought I would dig. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, like we've like we've talked a little bit about like, you know, um, techno nostalgia and even like some of like the merchandising right now with like the cassette tape. Um, would you like to say more about that or what you think maybe the, could, the future of the mixtape is um, based on like what your research shows? Yeah, I think a lot of what I see right now is less about the actual music. So much of what we've been talking about is what we hear. And I think for a lot of people right now, it's about the physicality of seeing a cassette tape. Um, so mm-hmm. there is um, a board game that a guy created called Mixtape and it's kind of um, wow. Yeah, it's based on uh, Cards Against Humanity, where they give you themes and you're supposed to say, like, what would the best song to hear during a sunset or different things like that. So that's one example. Um, There's a guy who created a $6,500 end table that is a mixtape. He doesn't call it a cassette table. It's a mixtape. And what's important about it is that you can flip it over and it's finished on both sides. So it's a cassette either way. Uh, There is um, there's a bar that was in Pittsburgh that has since closed that was called Mixtape and it had great great art on the walls and then recently there's this whole slew of coffee and beer companies who are creating mixtapes and it's a way to talk about um, mixes of different blends of kinds of beer and different kinds of beans and so when you read their marketing they have these very tongue-in-cheek marketing campaigns about you can erase and reorder a new set and you can mix these different blends that no one's seen mixed before so it's it's the physicality and this these ideas around what a mix is is um, that I think are really interesting. And that goes back, I think you mentioned a little bit ago, Hannah, tons and tons of podcasts that are using mixtape in their titles. And some of them, absolutely, they're they're DJs who are putting out just mixes of music. But there's these really strange mixtapes. One's called like cemetery mixtapes, where this guy goes and wanders through cemeteries and talks about what he sees. Um, Another one is a marketing company where it's marketing mixtapes where every week he tells you his different ideas of how to make good marketing campaigns. Um, there was one and I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's this mixtape and the tagline is something like we sit around our big family t- 
table and talk about the trials and tribulations and faith in our life. And so it's this religious podcast. So things that are so like tangentially tied to mixtapes, but still somehow that term gets people interested and invested in it. And I think, yeah, just fascinating. Our, our yeah. show is a mixtape of pop culture. Yes, it <laughs> Absolutely. It's a compilation. Yeah. Yeah. People talking yes. about things as a compilation or as a okay. mixing of different things and they okay. just use mixtape. Okay. We need to get on that rebranding. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly we've missed out. But like I, I was reading um that chapter and some of those um like the marketing campaigns you were talking about for breweries, like you you quote some of the descriptions and they're hilarious. Like they're amazing. Um they're I don't even know what to say about them. I won't spoil it so people will read the book. But <laughs> I had I had no idea this was going on. I've had some conversations with people that they're like, no, it's just cassettes. I was like, no, it's not though, because if you read the lines, that's what makes it a mixtape. It's not that it's just a picture of a cassette tape. It's how they're describing it. That it is very self-referentially mixtapes. And that's and what it, yeah. And it definitely uses some of the language that like um I think I guess like all of us, but like especially like Mav, um when you you know talked about love and like that mm -hmm. like sherry and like like they use that like it's it's really it's a lot um <laughs> like, that's, you know, that, that's my great academic contribution to this it's a lot <laughs> So, so well, no, when I when I when I wrote that portion of the blog, I really did, and I mean, I was trying to make it entertaining, but I really was putting myself back into the mindset of, okay, think back, you're 16 years old, you're making mixtapes, what were you know, and so like the bands that I mentioned, that was pretty accurate, like that was like like that's what I would have done if I were making a mixtape, what I would have done, what I did do if I was making mixtapes for girls, right? Like that's the kind of the kind of decisions that I make and and I would think about all right you know Prince goes on this tape with Luther Vandross and that's weird but is it weird or is it or is it brilliant right like I like I, I mean this yeah, is yeah, me yeah. having conversations with myself you know back then it's like okay we got to slow it down or we got to ease up and not make it so serious so this is where babyface comes in like this is what this is what I'm doing when I'm when I'm when I'm yeah as opposed to like and then I go to you know to like the the fucking tape right and it's like this is a different kind of prince this is not like lighthearted prince this is heavy serious prince and then this is where you toss in jodeci right because you know and like late 70s funk groups this is where barry white comes in like these are decisions that i'm making like you're creating like, a narrative right and and like yeah. i don't know i don't know how aware i am of it at the time but um like i don't know that i have the words for it but there is absolute intentionality to it um yes. that i'm gonna not get too too schooly but like um i think you used adorno jenny when you were like <laughs> when you were talking about the culture the cultural styling and and like that's absolutely what i'm doing right oh yeah it, absolutely it's 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 how you put all of this stuff and make sense of it in your in your in your own brain even if though you're not consciously taking a step back and thinking about it that way um, mm -hmm. when i first started doing the research i have this ridiculous spreadsheet it is like 2000 lines long i literally typed in the playlist of every mixtape that was in every book that i had so every mixtape in every sheffield book is in there every mixtape wow. from thurston moore is in there and it's it's over the top academic -y. but the reason i did it is i could sort it different ways so i was looking for things like does prince show up more than anybody else or should <laughs> prince is definitely up there more than a lot of other people the other band joy division Joy Division okay. shows up a fair amount. Um, and yeah, then it's like, 24 hour party people. Yeah. 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 Um, 
is there something like generationally, is it a lot of country music or is it a lot of alternative? And it definitely comes out of sort of that alternative world, I think for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But the choices that people are making, the Beatles show up a lot more than the Rolling Stones. Aretha Franklin shows up a lot more than Elvis. So just it's interesting as a study of like our, how we remember our own music too. Wow. That's fascinating. Okay. So before we end up, I I mean, I kind of, cause I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we're coming close to resolving nothing. Um, yeah. but, um, but I do want to, um, I, given that, I mean, if you were, I mean, we should pick up a topic and, and like, do, you know, who's, you know, just three, four songs or bands, you know, who are, who's on, who's on your love mixtape. I mean, I gave mine, right. Like I, and I, and I don't know that I can do just three or four, but like, obviously like if I'm, if I'm doing, if I'm doing the, you know, I'm trying to tell you, I like you when I'm 16 years old, that mixtape, you know, particularly given like who's around when I'm 16 years old, that mixtape has prints on it. It has in Vogue on it. It has Luther Vandross on it. Probably Babyface. I, like, I don't know that, like, I, I don't know that Sade goes on the first mixtape that you get because Sade is either too serious, we're very serious about each other, or maybe we just broke up and I want to feel bad about myself. Um, <laughs> like, 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 I mean, I'm just like really thinking about like Sade and, and like if you're a Sade fan, you're like, yeah, I get that. You know, there's a, the movie Boomerang talks about like, I'm, I'm sad. I just want to sit in a room, stare at a wall and listen to Sade albums. And yeah, there's a point in, there's a point in the love and in, in the love like you know story the narrative where where that's that's part of it so i don't know that sade makes the cut for me but like prince absolutely does and i think luther does and yeah i think babyface and invoke are are good ties so who else who you're for for no yeah 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 ask me to narrow stuff like that and part of it is you know back when i was doing this you know a lot of it was aimed at a very specific person yeah it's it's, it's music we shared so i don't i don't know it would work with everybody but you know there there's some stuff and you just i don't know how obscure he is but you know he's certainly not top 40 there's a singer songwriter by the name of lloyd cole who is just one of my all-time favorite singer songwriters and every song on his first album is just a perfect love song um and so you know i'd had a tough time not putting him on a mix Mm -hmm. um but but you know once again that that was also so personal with uh with this specific person i don't know i don't know that that would translate to somebody else and and see that's the thing making a mixtape it's a specific mix from me to a specific person whoever that person is and that changes the rules of the mixtape every time (laughs) i think so hannah kesha and three other people (laughs) (laughs) well actually there is this kesha song that people don't know called finding you that i think actually works um and obviously, this is a mixtape for Josh. Um, so <laughs> he's not going to listen to this, which is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I think, um, and this is like super intimidating because I'm like, what if our listeners think I have bad musical taste? But whatever, we all know that I have interesting <laughs> musical taste. So here we go. Um, I think maybe the song Only You by either Yaz or Yazoo, depending on like Yaz where you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, Yaz is great. <laughs> so that's, that's two. And then I, I I think um, uh, there's there's this um, singer called Tessa Violet who's who's fairly recent, and she has a song called "Bad Ideas." And I I remember uh, before Josh and I started dating, we were friends, um, and I think that that song pretty much encapsulates everything I ever felt. And also, you're going to laugh super hard, but I have to put "Call Me Maybe" on there by Carly Rae Jepsen because <laughs> we met in Oxford, England, 
And that song and somebody I used to know were like the two things played the entire time we were there. Like we could not escape these songs. So I, I'm not putting somebody I used to know because I'm not. You, he's still there. Yeah. Break off <laughs> yeah. But call me maybe. He would not appreciate the Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> as much as the others, I think. Yeah, I'd have to th- throw some Leonard Cohen on there. I, I'm not sure which one, but I have to throw some Leonard Cohen on. You see, Josh would like that much better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should make a mixtape for Josh. <laughs> Judy, what about you? So the book is actually dedicated to my partner, who, long, very long story, but he is actually my high school boyfriend that I went to prom with, and a couple of my mixtapes are from him. Um, so it's very you're going to know exactly what year I was in high school because um, it would be Erasure and Live and Hunters and Collectors um, and then probably Depeche Mode like that, that just is my, yeah like I said it's, it, I'm exactly that time period but I can remember mixtapes that, that he and I have made and I, I still have a couple of them and that was absolutely the world that, that we lived in for sure yeah. and from your list I think my wife would want to date you as much as Wayne wants to date <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so specific to a specific time in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you wanna... Nothing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm absolutely going to finish the book. You know, because I'm. Into it now. <laughs> I mean, it was weird because, you know, I mean, this, we told the story at the very beginning. This fell into our laps, right? Like, I didn't know about this until this is like a week ago. Um, I made this joke and then next thing you know, I mean, I, I seriously was awake 30 minutes and texting Jenny yeah. about being on the show. So, <laughs> and, and, and the moment I saw the post, it's like, yeah, I'm in on this. I, I'm always looking for more ways to talk about music on the show, which you know, it just is my other big hobby. Um, right. and so, yeah, so right. this is, this has been awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. learned so much from reading the book. Um, and I, it's always like a pleasure to talk to someone who has written something you love. So thank you so much for the yeah. opportunity. Oh, I really yes, appreciate that I, I really didn't want it to be like an academic y boring book because it's just not that kind of topic. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm glad to know that it, it doesn't read that way. That's that's yeah, reassuring. No, no, perfect for what we do here. So anything well I mean plug the book, but anything else that you'd like to plug as well. <laughs> so yeah, the book just just came out this week. I just got my copy like two days ago. It's called yeah. Mixtape Nostalgia, Culture, Memory and Representation. It's through um, Roman and Littlefield, but you can find it on Amazon as well. And then I think the big thing is I do have an Instagram page. I post pretty much every day and it's all of this paraphernalia type stuff that we've been talking about. So that is at mixtape history. Um, yeah, those are the two big things. Cool. Nice. And those are, of course, linked in the show notes. Yeah. Hannah. Oh, I'm not going to plug it, Nathan, though. I guess I could say I'm currently enjoying the Hulu show Only Murders in the Building. So you should watch it and then write in requesting a show on that. So all the other co-hosts <laughs> are obligated to watch and talk about a show with me. So uh, that'll be a <laughs> You people, I mean, you're you're being silly, but people really should write us more often. We're we're getting we're starting to get better at that. You know, a lot of our show topics have come up because people are like, 
you guys should talk about this. And we're like, mm-hmm. we will talk okay. about that. We're okay. sure. <laughs> <You know? Okay. laughs> no, but I mean, that, that's the great thing about this show. Like, I, I mean, I, I love not just that it's silly because it wasn't that much work to get Jenny to agree to this because she was like, yeah, before I was even awake. But, um, <laughs> but like, I, I love learning about things. That's the joy yeah. of doing Box Popcast, right? So, like, the fact that there is a book on mixtape nostalgia that someone could recommend to me just because I made a joke about being nostalgic about mixtapes is is <laughs> great. And that and that's like, you know, that's the magic of this. So if you do want to hear us talk about something, please write in and say so. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, yeah, so what about I was, you? I, I actually have something this week. I um, actually, you oh, asked wow. me last, well, you asked me last week if I had anything to promote. I, I just published a new blog, but I didn't mention it last week because it wasn't really a appropriate um it just didn't fit in it actually fits this week uh which i didn't know last week because we hadn't booked the show yet <laughs> uh, and and it's it's and for all the the wackiness of, of that introduction it's actually a bit of a downer uh, a couple weeks ago one of my all-time favorite really obscure musicians away just unexpectedly and someone who appeared on a lot of the mixtapes that I, I made back in the day his name was pat fish he was the lead singer of a band called the jazz butcher uh who did like 15 albums that nobody's ever heard of came out of that early 80s post-punk new wave just very strange stuff his his stuff was a mix of um he could easily have fallen into the category of the novelty songs he wrote a lot of silly shit about elephants and bigfoot and, and that kind of thing but he also wrote wrote just marvelous love songs and and deeply touching beautiful melons, uh, things he referred to as misery. Um, so I, I wrote a blog just about my experience with him. Just a really very personal musician. And they say he, uh, he uh, definitely when I was making mixtapes in the late eighties, early nineties, he was a pretty regular appearance. Cause I was pretty sure whoever I was making the tape for had never heard of him. So uh, I want to share that music and share that blog. So it, it's on my blog, wayne-wise.com. It's the newest entry. So there it is. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Fox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where, where you can find out what we're talking about next week. You can leave comments on this show or any other show. You can give us suggestions for things that you want to hear us hear us talk about. You can also suggest those things on Twitter or Instagram. Just, you know, add us. You know, we're bored. We got time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we also actually, we don't have time, but like yeah, no, not at all. We still want to we still <laughs> (laughs) want to know to be honest also if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify and do us a favor leave us a five-star review if you leave us a five-star review especially on itunes apple podcast that really helps us out especially especially if you don't just leave us a rating but you also write a little something something about you know i'm I'm gonna interrupt your flow here because we someone wrote something remarkable to us this week i don't know if it was in a review or just a text a tweet a tweet that that had a Mm -hmm. great review of us what did they call us? They said, uh, I am obsessed with the energy and brains of Vox Popcast. Yeah. I was like, there you go. So, yeah, Brandy J. Lewis is apparently a listener. So thanks. And and Brandy, and even in the tweet, when she tweeted at us, she's like, you know, would you ever consider doing an episode on furries and bad consumerism of fans? Yeah. Yeah, we would. A- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're, we're, we're in Pittsburgh. This is this is the home of the furries. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, yeah, we have a, I, mean, I guess there hasn't been one in a couple of years because 
COVID. But yeah, we have a massive furry convention and I don't know enough about it. But yeah, Brandy, if you, you know, certainly stay in touch. That would be yeah. something that I would love to do a whole episode and, about. Yeah, so and, and remember, Vox Popcast, the podcast of energy and brains. Yes. <laughs> and drinking and swearing so. <laughs> uh, on that note I would like to thank I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out once again Jenny thank you for joining us this has yeah, been a lot of fun thank you so much yes thank you thanks so much for having me it was a lot of fun yeah come back come back anytime when next time you have a project or anytime you just see something interesting that we're talking about on the blog where you're like I have things to say about that that's always great um, absolutely I'd love to yeah I'd like to thank you at home for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye, bye.